Welcome to another edition of See It or Shove It. I'm your host, Greg, and I'm here again this week to give you my thoughts on the latest movies playing in theaters and streaming on your TV. Also this week, I shared the latest arrivals in streaming services and now streaming, and Be Kind Rewind looks at the film you voted for. For our featured movies this week, the robots unite again in Transformers Rise of the Beasts, Fly Fishing shows healing powers in Mending the Line, a comedian becomes involved in an international scandal in The Machine, and a simple idea turns into a hugely popular snack in Flamin' Hot. To start us off this week, a young man tries to find a way to help his family and ends up getting roped into a battle for the ages. This is Transformers Rise of the Beasts. This is not our war. Optimus, we must trust each other to protect the home we all share. How big can this guy be? Uh, he eats planets. So, like, way bigger than a planet. Set in the early 1990s New York City, this film stars Hamilton's Anthony Ramos as Noah Diaz, a down-on-his-luck military vet who is skilled at electronics much more than he is on his social and team-building skills. He is in desperate need of a new job so that he can help support his family, including his younger brother Chris, played by the very impressive Dean Scott Vasquez. Chris suffers from a chronic illness, and it is difficult to find care as the medical bills build up. Across town at a museum on Ellis Island, a new collection mesmerizes intern Elena, played by Danielle Fishback, who was so great in Judas and the Black Messiah a few years back. Elena is an expert on the artifacts in the museum, but fails to get the respect of her boss, who instead uses her for her knowledge for her own advancement. One night, Noah attempts to steal a Porsche that turns out to be an Autobot. While on the same night, Elena notices mysterious symbols on the new artifacts. Soon, the Autobots unite in an effort to find the Transwarp Key, which happens to be hidden in one of the artifacts. This leads to an all-out war between good and evil as both sides look to gain control of the key. When I saw the trailer for this, I thought it would be a shove-it. And I give this film a... See it! What a pleasant surprise this was. The last proper Transformers movie was such a snooze fest that I was afraid this would be bogged down in a whole bunch of historical stuff that lay people like me wouldn't understand since I'm not overly familiar with Transformers history. However, this film was completely accessible from beginning to end. I compare it to the 2018 film Bumblebee, which was incredibly fun and easy to follow. Ramos and Fishback elevate this film with their great performances. The voice work was very good with strong performances by recent Oscar winner Michelle Yeoh, Ron Perlman, Peter Dinklage, and especially Pete Davidson, whose goofy persona fit perfectly for Mirage. I really enjoyed the battle scenes, although I wouldn't have minded if the final one ended about 10 minutes earlier as it seemed to go on and on. Now, keep in mind, I watched it in 4DX, and it was a lot of action so much so that I needed to take a five-minute break from being tossed and turned. So maybe those action scenes played better without all that commotion, 
I'll have to go see it again to find out. Go see this one. It's a fun summer action flick. Next, two military veterans use the calming nature of fly fishing to help overcome PTSD. This is Mending the Line. It's not easy what you've been through. But the important thing now is to heal. What the hell is this world going to want from me now? You ever been fly fishing? Fly fishing. I think it could be good for you. Go there. I flesh it, right? This is going to be good. It ain't easy. It takes practice. Do your recon. Mending the Line stars succession actor the great Brian Cox and Senquo Walls, two military vets, each overcoming the ghosts from their past. More recently, Walls' character Coulter, who as the film opens, is in Afghanistan on his last day of deployment. Under his command, many of the men in his troop are killed in an ambush that also leaves Coulter severely injured. He is now back at home self-medicating with alcohol to escape his pain and anguish. He enters a veteran rehab center in Montana where his doctor, played by Emmy winner Patricia Heaton, tries to slow down his anxiety to return to the military by suggesting therapy as well as fly fishing with another patient of hers, Ike. Ike, played by Cox, is a cantankerous ex-marine who keeps having blackouts while fishing. Dr. Burke sets up Coulter to be taught by Ike so that Ike won't be alone while fishing, and then Coulter can get the calming therapy that he needs. In the middle of all this is Lucy, played by Perry Matfield, who bears a striking resemblance to Jennifer Aniston, even down to her vocal affectations. Lucy is a librarian who volunteers at the rehab facility, reading to veterans. She is dealing with some ghosts of her own, and like Ike and Coulter, she's being held down by her personal grief. The lives of the three intertwine in various ways as they try to navigate through their pain. I give this film a... See it! I really enjoyed this for the most part. The cast was all great and the storyline hit all the right notes. Cox gives his typical and reliable curmudgeon performance. For a minute, I forgot I wasn't watching Succession and Logan Roy, and I was expecting to hear a few, Oh, fuck off! Walls, Matfield, both have good chemistry with each other, and I thought the film was going to be predictable throughout, but it takes a few left turns late in the game that I thought worked well. Sure, it could have used a good edit, but the fly fishing scenes were gorgeously shot, and it kept my attention throughout. Next, a comedian returns to his roots in a dangerous escapade. This is The Machine. When I was 22, I got involved with the Russian Mafia. I was a frat boy on a class trip. This is Igor. He's here for your protection. He's very dangerous. You are not to talk to or hang out with him. All I want to do is hang out with him. I did not speak Russian. Yeah, Machine. <laughs> All I knew how to say was, On the Machine! It was literally the best summer of my life. We were robbing this guy? Comedian Burt Kreischer plays himself as the film shows a young Burt as a college freshman who goes on a trip to Russia. 
He spends his time there partying and gallivanting throughout the country with his tour guide Igor and his friends. He is dubbed the Machine, a Russian folklore legend. Flash forward 23 years later, Bert is now a married stand-up comedian with a podcast. He has turned his story of his time in Russia into a comedy special. Part of Bert's problems is that he has a tense relationship with almost everyone in his life, from his wife to his daughter to his estranged father, played by Mark Hamill. One day, at his daughter's birthday party, Bert is threatened by Irina, a Russian mobster, who is there to collect an antique that he accidentally stole when he was in Russia. Irina kidnaps both Bert and his father with the purpose of bringing him to Russia to face the consequences of his actions. Can Bert survive and escape? I give this film a... Mild See It. This movie had many funny moments that were quite enjoyable. I was not aware of any of Kreischer's stand-up routines prior to seeing this film, and I was still able to follow it throughout. Hamill was a hoot as Bert's father and stole every scene he was in. Sometimes, though, the film went off the rails and it got ridiculous, but there were more hits than misses. Is it something I will be reflecting on at the end of the year as I put together my best-of list? Not a chance, but I did enjoy it more than I thought I would. If you're a fan of Kreischer, I believe you'll... Finally, a man is inspired by street corn to create a worldwide hit snack. This is Flamin' Hot. We all write our own stories. There is Richard. I'd like to speak to him. I'm here. This is mine. That's me, the Mero Mero, Mr. Richard Montañez. I'm the guy who helped bring the world the most popular snack it's ever seen. Are you ready? I will. I've been ready. All right, all right. It was a little bit more like this. Spicy? Yeah, see, that's how I got here. Dear God, please forgive me for the gang, the drugs, the stolen cars. What the heck, man? Let's move it. Hey, he's praying, Benejo! Go ahead, baby. Directed by actress Eva Longoria, the film follows Richard Montañez, played by Jesse Garcia, a man who grew up poor and had an adolescence filled with arrests and other poor life choices. By the 1980s, he was ready to get his life in order so that he could provide for his growing family. With the help of his wife Judy, played by Annie Gonzalez, he lands a job as a custodian at Frito-Lay. While working, he considers himself a student by studying how the plant works and the ins and outs of the machinery. Montañez turns to Clarence C. Baker, played by Dennis Haysbert, who mentors Montañez as he begins to make a name for himself within the company. One day, while eating street corn, Montañez had an idea that Frito-Lay should create a hot and spicy flavor for their products to appeal to the Hispanic market. He then goes on a mission to get to the president of Frito-Lay, Roger Enrico, played by Emmy winner Tony Shalhoub, where he can pitch his idea. I give this film a... Mild Shove It. The film was directed well by Longoria, and the actors all did a good job in their roles. The story was inspirational and uplifting. There's just one problem. It allegedly isn't true. And that kind of stuck with me throughout. Allegedly, no one at Frito-Lay and PepsiCo has any recollection of Montañas being involved in the creation of Flamin' Hot Cheetos. PepsiCo released a statement a few years ago when the book was released, the one that inspired this film. 
They said, none of our records show that Richard was involved in any capacity in the flame and hot test market. We have interviewed multiple personnel who were involved in the test market, and all of them indicate that Richard was not involved in any capacity at all. The facts do not support the urban legend. The filmmakers do not acknowledge this at all in the film, and that really bothers me when, when something possibly false is being presented as truth. However, he was eventually promoted to the role of vice president of multicultural sales and community promotions for PepsiCo, so who knows what to believe. I don't like that feeling. Another thing that bothered me while watching is the fact that every single white person in the film is portrayed as a villain or an asshole. I mean, I get that there are a lot of racists out there. Hell, I see it all the time, and it pisses me off beyond belief. And I'm sure Montagna has encountered more than his fair share of bigotry in his life. But there wasn't a single white person he encountered that was at least a little pleasant to him? In the film, every white person he interacted with was hostile, rude, or racist. I was really looking forward to this movie and really wanted to love it. I'm disappointed that even though it is well made, I left feeling hollow and duped. That's it for this week's featured films. To recap, Transformers Rise of the Beast is in theaters now and is a see-it, and it's my pick of the week. Mending the Line is in theaters now and is a see-it. The Machine is in theaters now and is a mild see-it. And Flamin' Hot is streaming on Hulu and Disney Plus and is a mild shove-it. Now, let's move on to my segment where I share where you can find some of the films released within the last few months that are now available for home viewing. This is now streaming. Three new titles are available on streaming this week. The Nicolas Cage, Nicholas Holt horror comedy Renfield was an entertaining twist on the Dracula story. It is now streaming on Peacock, and you can hear my full review on episode 75. Living, featuring Bill Nye's Oscar-nominated performance, is a story about a quiet man who wants to live the best life for what's left of his remaining years. It is now streaming on Netflix. You can hear my full review on episode 57. The action-packed comedy Polite Society about two sisters who are growing apart due to some shady shit is a funny, entertaining film with a huge twist midway through that takes the film in a completely different direction. It is streaming Friday on Peacock, and you can hear my full review on episode 79. Now it's time to look back at some films from the past. This is Be Kind Rewind. Continuing on my series where I take the 52-week movie challenge, this week's topic was a movie set before 1900. And the choices were Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street, Bram Stoker's Dracula, and Gladiator. You voted, and the film you selected is Bram Stoker's Dracula. Here occurred the frightening and shocking history of Prince Dracula and the woman he loved. Based on the classic Bram Stoker novel, Francis Ford Coppola's epic horror story stars Oscar winner Gary Oldman as Count Dracula, who captures barrister Jonathan Harker, 
played by Keanu Reeves. Dracula sees a photograph by Harker that features a picture of his fiancée, Mina, played by Oscar-nominated actress Winona Ryder. He is enamored by the picture due to her resemblance to his late wife. Dracula sets off to seduce Mina, while at the same time terrorizing her friend Lucy, played by Sadie Frost. After Dracula bites Lucy and turns her into a vampire, it's up to her friends and vampire hunter, Professor Abraham Van Helsing, played by two-time Oscar winner Anthony Hopkins, to find Dracula and drive him away. Coppola came to the film after getting a copy of the script from Ryder, who was trying to make amends for dropping out of The Godfather Part 3 at the last minute. Prior to its release, critics thought the film was too dark, cold, violent, and overall just odd to be a success at the box office. Production was plagued with setbacks. Coppola wanted to do all the special effects without the aid of modern technology. When he was informed that this was simply not possible, he fired the entire special effects team and brought in his son Roman, who was able to complete the film with onset and in-camera effects. Also, tensions rose between Oldman and Ryder, as Ryder found Oldman to be too intense on set and had a difficult time working together throughout the shoot. She later described her experience as feeling she was in danger. Coppola said, quote, They got along and then one day they didn't. They absolutely didn't get along. None of us were privy to what had happened. She would later imply that at the time Oldman was going through a divorce from actress Uma Thurman as well as battling alcoholism. She has since stated they are now on friendly terms. The film was released on November 13, 1992 and received positive reviews. It opened at number one at the box office, earning more than $30 million that weekend. It would eventually make almost $216 million on a $40 million budget. It earned four Academy Award nominations, winning three for costume design, sound editing, and makeup. Bram Stoker's Dracula is available to rent on digital platforms. Next week's Be Kind Rewind topic is a new release. But since I already do that, I'll choose a film with the word new in its title. And the choices are Gangs of New York, Gremlins 2, The New Batch, and New Jack City. Come to my Instagram at cedarshoveit to vote for which film I should focus on. And the post with the most likes will be next week's segment. That's it for this episode of Cedar Shove It. Thank you so much for joining me and supporting my podcast again this week. I appreciate the time you give me. Support your local theaters by going to see some of the movies I reviewed this month. And while you're at it, share my podcast with your movie and TV-loving friends and family. And don't forget to listen to part one of my summer miniseries, 50 Years, 50 Movies, where I share my favorite movie from each year of my life. You can now drop me a line at seeitorshoveit at gmail.com and let me know of any ideas or suggestions. And while you're at it, follow me on Instagram and letterboxd at seeitorshoveit and rate me wherever you get your podcast. Come back next week to hear my thoughts on the new releases such as DC's The Flash, Pixar's Elemental, and The Blackening. And Binge It or Singe It returns with a look at the Disney Plus series American Born Chinese. Thanks again, everyone. Have a great week. This episode of See It or Shove It was recorded in Orlando, Florida and is produced by Gregory G. Productions. Music by Mysterio Music. All rights reserved.